Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today, we are continuing our new series, When Waters Rise. We pray that God speaks directly to you through this message. Amen. Good morning. Oh, come on. You could do better than that. Is it a good morning or what? Good morning. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Well, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here at Church at the Bridge. And it is a pleasure to be here with you today. I believe that nothing happens by coincidence. I believe that you're here for a reason. I believe God has something that he wants to speak into your life. I believe that God has purposes and plans for you. I believe that God wants to give you direction. Do you agree with that? Come on, give it up if you agree with that. All right. For those of you that aren't convinced, here's what I'm asking you. My job is not to convince you of anything. That's not my job. My job is not to give you my opinion. My job is to give you the word of God. And my prayer for you is this, that you will be open to the truth that God's word reveals and that you will see that God truly wants to lead you in life. Amen? All right. So last week we started a new series entitled When Waters Rise. And basically we're starting to look at certain um, uh, figures in the Bible who found in some difficult situations. And these people had to face these situations, just like you and me. Anybody face difficulty at times? For for those of you that didn't raise your hand, you know, we'll be praying for you because you are so thick in the storm that you believe you're good, right? No, No condemnation. I'm just saying, you know, look, we all face difficulty, right? But what was interesting about these people is that they not only face difficulty, these people literally were facing storms. They were in the midst of turbulent waters, and life just got real rough. And the Bible gives us a lot uh, to learn in terms of instruction from God's word, but also by their example and how they responded. And so last week, we looked at the life of a guy named Peter. And we learned that just because you're following God doesn't mean that you're exempt from difficulties in life. I want to encourage you to go and check out the podcast. Use the uh, website. It's on the website. Go to Facebook. Use the app. I mean, there's so many vehicles that we provide for people to get the word. But today we're going to be looking into the life of a man named Jonah. And this guy, Jonah, found himself in the middle of a storm. Now, listen, this guy was in one of the worst types of storms that you could find yourself in. It was a really, really, really bad storm. But it wasn't because of its category. It wasn't because of the rain. It wasn't because of the wind. It wasn't because of, of the waves or the lightning or hail. It wasn't because of any of those things. The reason why I propose to you that Jonah found himself in the worst imaginable storm is because it's a storm that he created. He created it. He created it. Listen, the difficulties that we face in life aren't always external. I know that for some of us, we, we, we like to believe it's not my fault that I'm going through this. I'm mad because of what you said. I'm hurting because of what you did. You just don't understand how unfair it is. Look, I'm not trying to be unsympathetic, but I want us to realize that sometimes the storms we face aren't due to external forces. As a matter of fact, I dare say this, that the majority of times, We create them by how we allow ourselves to respond to them. It could be self-imposed ignorance. It can be arrogance. It can be poor choices. It can be wayward thinking. It could be erroneous beliefs. It could be disobedience. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so uh, I read something recently that caught my attention in a uh, 
in a magazine. I'm sort of a geek. Uh, I, I, I kind of, you know, tune into things that you probably wouldn't want to read. So I hope I don't bore you this morning. But according to the Bureau of Standards in Washington, these are people that, that uh, study the climate and, and, you know, and, and how everything's happening. According, according to the Bureau of Standards in the state of Washington, a dense fog covering city blocks, seven city blocks, to a depth of 100 feet is composed of less than one glass of water. Seven blocks of a fog, a dense fog where you can barely see, if at all, is made up of one glass of water. And that amount of water is divided into about 60 billion tiny droplets. And yet, when those minute particles settle over a city or even a countryside, they can almost blot out everything from your sight. I'll tell you why I share this with you, because many people today live their lives in a fog. They allow a cup full of troubles to cloud their vision and dampen their hearts and minds to such an extent that you can't see. And you live life as if it's one big storm, when in fact, it's not. I'm going to say something that might challenge some of our thinkings. The storms that we face in life are the ones we create. Because we tell ourselves, we respond to the storm, we begin to believe things about who we are, what we can do, what we can't do, how things are going to turn out, all based upon a problem, a difficulty, a challenge, a hurdle. Well, listen, welcome to life. Trials and tribulations will come. But the Bible says that you and I can rejoice because Jesus has already overcome. Here's the key, though, to overcome the storms of life and to overcome the storms we create. We have to know the truth about what it means that he already overcame and that we're empowered to overcome. Amen? Amen. And so listen, uh, this is where Jonah's storm began. It wasn't the elements around him as much as it was the elements at work within his heart. And so today I'd like to talk to you about facing the storms that you create. We all create them at times. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. By and large, this is where we're going to be, and we're going to read through the book of Jonah, so bear with me. Just for the sake of time, while you're getting there, I'm going to jump right into Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, and it says that the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, for I, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Get what this guy, this guy was so hard-hearted that he actually believed he could get away from God, right? And so he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Wait, Pastor Jose, I thought you said he created the storm. Listen closely. You'll see what I mean. Verse 5. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. And so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at this, uh, at a time like this, he asked. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. 
And then the crew cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Verse 8, why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them how he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. It will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. And so instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. And then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. A lot going on here. But I want you to begin to see that God gives Jonah a message to deliver to the people of Nineveh. The thing about it is Jonah did not like these people. He hated them. These people were the enemies of the people of Israel. This, this place, uh, Nineveh, uh, was despised by Israelites. N Nineveh was a place that was very prosperous. It was a powerful city. As a matter of fact, it was the New York City of its day. It was the capital of the Neo-Syrian Empire, which was ruling at the time. It was the central place for commerce because of its access to the Tigris River. And it also was the central place of worship for the goddess known back then as Ishtar. And so, get this, the message that God gave uh, to, to Jonah was one of judgment. But as we'll see, God had an agenda with that message. It wasn't that he wanted to destroy them. He wanted them to see, look, I've got a better way. And if you keep going this way, it's going to lead you to destruction. So it was God's grace. Now, here's what's interesting. God was doing something so outside the box. I'm going to tell you why. God was good, according to the law in those days, to his people, the Israelites. And God tells Jonah, Jonah, I'm sending you to unbelieving, non-Israelite, people that want nothing to do with me. I'm sending you to them, and I want to extend my mercy to them. And so in Jonah's mind is, there's no way that God would do that. There's no way that God could do that. You can't do that, God. That's wrong. And so Jonah disagreed with God's uh, mercy towards them and decides that he's not going to obey what God has called him to do. You know why? Because he believes he can stop the mercy of God. As a matter of fact, what we see is that Jonah thought he was bigger than God. Jonah says, I'm not going over there. I'm leaving. And because I'm leaving... You can't do what you told me. And so he goes off to this place called Tarshish, 
And what we see is that as a result, Jonah finds himself trying, attempting to get away from God while walking right into a storm that he helped create by his disobedience. The truth is this. Jonah did not have to end up in the storm. He chose to. You know how that relates to us? You don't have to end up in storms in life. But oftentimes, we choose them. We choose them. We, we, we make choices. We, we believe outside the realm of what God says. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There are storms that will come. And next week, we're going to be talking about when storms come and their opposition to where God is leading you. Because that happens too. But in this case, we're talking about the choices, the mindsets, the beliefs that we hold to that create storms in our life. So I want you to see what the scripture tells us about this in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. I'm reading from the Message Bible. I just love the simplicity of it. It breaks it down so practically. It says, don't let anyone under pressure to give into evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil. And puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give into evil comes from us and only us. It says, we have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-ups of our own lust. That's not talking about sexual desire. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about strong desire that disregards God. That's what lust is. And so he says, lust gets pregnant, and has a baby, a baby called sin. And sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. So look, like Jonah, we don't have to go through the many storms that we face. So why do we go through them at times? And I propose to you that you and I create storms when we don't do three things. You and I create storms when you don't stop, listen, and do what God tells you. When you don't stop, listen, and do what God tells you. You know, I remember uh, quite a few years ago, I went for my license. And, man, I've been driving since the age of 12. Some of you have been around and you heard my first experience driving a car at the age of 12. I crashed it. It wasn't my car. I convinced my 19-year-old brother-in-law that I could drive. And like an idiot, he believed it. And he let me drive. And I wrecked that car. It was his friend's car. That's that's for another day. But anyway, I remember when I finally went to get my license. Um, I was in my early 20s. I just, at one time in my life, believed that it was okay to drive without a license. And that wasn't good. Don't, Don't do that, right? So I go and get my license, and I said, man, I've been driving all these years. I got this in the bag, right? And I go through the whole driving course with the, with the person, you know, the, the person uh, marking down to prove if I get my license or not. And when we, when we stop, I go, so, how long before I get my license? He says, you failed. <laughs> failed? What do you mean I failed? He says, you didn't stop at the stop sign. You came to a crawl and you rolled through it. And then he said this to me. He says, you have to stop, look both ways, and then go forward. The reason why I share that with you is because that's a lot like life when it comes to God. You got to stop. But then you got to, after you stop, you got to take a moment to listen. Right? How many of you know that when you stop at a stop sign, it's not just looking both ways. You're also listening because sometimes you miss things. And so we got to stop. 
But then we got to stop and then we have to listen. And unfortunately for some of us, all we do is just, we stop, right? But we don't take any time to listen. And we're stuck in life. For others, we stop and we even listen. You know what that's called? That's called Christianity for the most part, as it's known today. We stop and we listen. Yes, I believe what God says. Yes, I believe it's the truth. Yes, 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 but we do nothing with it. And we're called to stop, listen, and do something. And when we don't, when we don't follow this manner of response to God, what we do is we create storms. We create storms. And so... You have to stop, you have to listen, and you have to do what God tells you. And so in verse 6, here's what it tells us. It tells us that Jonah was unwilling to stop. He was unwilling to listen, and he was unwilling to do as God had said. Man, they they said to him, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll uh, save us. Maybe he'll do something for us. And this guy decides, man, I'm Heading in the opposite direction. I want nothing to do with this. He's heading into the middle of a massive storm. And then watch what happens. When they come to him, they find him sleeping. He's sleeping. He's heading opposite where God is leading him. And he's sleeping. This is where Jonah went wrong and where we can go wrong. We don't stop. We don't listen. And we don't do what God tells us. And so here's what happens. You create storms when you accept trouble as a way of life. This guy, Jonah, says, it doesn't matter that God said, I'm still good, not doing what God says. And so he creates a storm, and he, he, he settles into this trouble as a way of life. Jonah was so intent on going in the opposite direction of where God was leading him that he was able to get cozy in the midst of trouble. You ever meet somebody like that? Oh, it's just, it's just que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. This is life. Ay, mijo, tú no entiendes. This is, this is how we, this is how we grew up. This is what we know. No. The problem isn't what we think we know. The problem is what we don't know what we don't know. And what we don't know is that God did not create you and I to accept trouble as a way of life. Jonah accepted the trouble, the storm, and he said, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to settle into this problem. So let's see what the scriptures tell us about this. Romans chapter 1 verses 28 through 30 says this, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. To do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, uh, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Listen to this list. Listen to the results of saying, I refuse to acknowledge God and do what he says. These are the results. But watch why they did not see it fit to acknowledge God. Listen, living life from one problem to another, always in drama, doesn't just happen. 
That doesn't happen by osmosis. You're not a victim to life and its circumstances. We're victims to how we respond and the truth that we lack. And so it's not someone else's fault. It's not the system. It's not your upbringing. It's not your lack of funds. Listen, when you no longer see it fit to acknowledge God, his truth, his plans, his instructions, the waters will rise and you and I will encounter storms. Now, what's interesting is that in the Hebrew, this term to see fit, it speaks of having a need to possess, to regard, or to be closely joined to. So I want you to read this again with that understanding in Romans chapter 128. And they did not see it necessary to possess God. They did not regard God as a necessity. And they did not see it necessary to be joined closely to God. And the results are disastrous. See, Jonah no longer felt he needed God. That's the reality. He had no need to possess what God had for him. He, he had no regard in him uh, for God and the truth. And he even felt that he was far away from God. I'll just keep going further and further from God. My friend, can I encourage you with the truth? No matter how far you go, you can't get away from God. He loves you that much. See, while we're in the storms, he's right there with us saying, let's go the other way. Let's turn around. Let's go in a different direction. Right? And so, but here's the thing. Jonah, he was cruising at sea without God, or so he thought. But it, was, it really wasn't no cruise at all. It was a storm. And the sad thing is that he went to sleep in the middle of it went to sleep. And so, what do we learn from Romans 128? That you create storms when you believe you no longer need God. Oh, I know I need God. Let me ask you this. Do your actions prove it? Is what you do consistent with what you say you believe? Look, I, I, I come bearing good news, ladies and gentlemen. It just got real quiet in here for a moment. But here's the truth. Listen, the word of God is like a mirror. And like a mirror, when you look to a mirror, man, you look at a mirror because you want to get to your best. But you know what you have to do in order to get you to your best? You got to see the reality of where you're going wrong. And what we're seeing at this moment is that maybe, just maybe for some of us joining us here today or maybe online, that what we're doing is we're seeing what's wrong and somehow we're going, I'm good. I'm good. And then we question, why is life so hard? Here's the reality. Maybe you created the storm you're in. And so as the story goes, Jonah eventually gets thrown overboard. He's off base. He's believing he doesn't need God. And he gets thrown overboard and the storm ceases. Not just for the men on the ship, but also for Jonah. And so, you see, Jonah was supposed to drown at this point. But instead what we see is God who is merciful. He sends a fish, he intervenes, and Jonah lives to see another day. Let's read Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my, tr- in my great trouble. 
And he answered me, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Look what he's believing. And yet I will look once more, once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. If it was God's will for him to be there, why would he take him out of it? Consider that question. And so as my life was slipping away, verse 7, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And so here's what we see. That as a result of the storm, Jonah finds himself at the point of death. Listen, he's drowning. Seaweed has wrapped itself around his neck and his head. He's gasping for air. He's struggling for life. And he remembers something. He cries out to God. The scripture says that he touches the bottom of the ocean. He went deep. And while all this is happening and the last spurts of life are seeping away, Jonah cries out to God. Not only does he cry out, but here's what we really see. He realizes his error. He has an awakening moment. I feel like God is saying to some of us, wake up. Wake up. It's not as good as you think. You know, I can tell you from personal experience in my life, I wish I could tell you that I, I was one of those guys that grew up with a peaches and cream kind of upbringing. I made a lot of bad choices. I found myself in some really bad situations. You know, do you know that there is a scripture that God wrote in the Bible that is dedicated to me? It, it really is. It was written for me. He says, while you were in the miry pit, I pulled you out of it, and I raised you up. And the Hebrew says, I placed you on a high rock. That's my life story. That's my life story. But you know what was happening in between the pit and the high rock? I believed, like a pig in slop, that it was all good. Life did not stink. That I was okay. I don't know if you've been there, but the truth is that when you're deceived, here's what's really happening. You believe a lie is truth. You and I begin to believe that this mess is okay. We get comfortable in it. And Jonah finds himself in the heart of the earth. And it is all coming smack dab in his face. And he's realizing, I've made a mistake. I'm the culprit of my results. I'm the reason why this is happening. Listen, we overcome storms when we accept where we went wrong and we turn from them. The smartest thing that Jonah did in the midst of this storm was this. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. God's not asking you to lay at the altar for 20 days. God's not asking you to beat yourself up 
and tell everybody how bad you are and cry all your tears in order for you to be right with God. Repentance has nothing to do with emotion. Repentance is turning around from error and saying it's time to head towards what's true. And so Jonah realizes that the reason he's at the bottom of an ocean is because he chose it. Listen closely. Let me prove to you that he chose it. He, remember, he told them to throw him in so they could be saved. Watch this. Not so he could be saved. He was okay with drowning. He was okay with sinking. And then while he's sinking, reality strikes and he realizes... Listen to what he realizes. He realizes that even though he essentially created this storm that he was in, that he's the reason why he's at the bottom of this ocean, choking, gasping for air, drowning. He realizes this, that God was still with him. And listen closely. God's plan was still intact. Can I tell you? No matter where you find yourself right now, you might be on a mountaintop or you might be at the bottom of an ocean. God's plan has not changed. God's love for you has not changed. The scriptures declare that while he is faithful, it says that he's faithful even when we are unfaithful. That's the God that you and I serve. That's the God that maybe some of us don't know that we're coming face to face with today. And so his plan is still intact. And when Jonah turned to God, he discovered that God was still there, ready and willing to act on his behalf. Ready and willing. And so in Jonah 3, we find that Jonah is no longer stuck in the belly of a big fish. He's past the storm he helped create in his life. And so God tells him once again to go and do what he had commissioned him to. Let's read Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. And he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. But watch what happens. At the hearing of this message, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, that includes the king himself. That includes every beast that was in this land. If you read the the rest of uh, chapter 3, what you'll see is it says that from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. In other words, they realized we're wrong. And what we see is that these people decide to turn around. And so this time we see a different response from Jonah. But we have to wonder what changed. See, we overcome storms when we choose to rise above them instead of running from them. Jonah had to face the storm he created. And Jonah had to face the solution that was necessary to get out of it. Now what's interesting is this. That as you'll see in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah did not want to do what God told him. Jonah went there with the intent of telling these people, you're all going to die. You're going to hell. I don't know a church 
that has saved people genuinely by just telling them, you're going to hell, you cotton-picking, rotten scoundrel, you're no good, you're a sinner, you need God, and you're stuck, and, and you just beat people down with the word. Listen, the truth is that everyone apart from God is headed into a wrong direction. But here's what the Bible says, that it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. It's not fire and brimstone. And so Jonah goes there, and he's saying, you're all going to hell. You're all going to burn. You dirty scoundrels. You need God. But in his heart, he's doing what he knows God told him to do, but he doesn't want to do it. He still hates these people. But you see, you don't have to like the choice that you have to make to get out of your storm. But you do have to do it. You do have to do it. The only reason why Jonah was able to get out of the storm was because he had to get past what he didn't want to do, and he had to do it. Can I tell you that that's good news for each and every one of us? You might not feel comfortable with the choice. It might hurt to let some things go. Man, it will be hard to go back to doing what's right and true and good because you've gotten so comfortable in the midst of a storm and you're comfortable with drowning in life. But the truth is this, that it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, they say that when a storm is coming, all other birds flee to find shelter while the eagle alone avoids the storm by flying above it. I'll tell you why I share that with you. You see, the sun always shines above the clouds, above the storm. It's always shining. It's always peaceful above the clouds, above the storm. And at some point, you and I, we have to choose to rise above the storm instead of running from it. Or worse yet, staying in it. You got to go, this, these are the circumstances, and I got to make the choice to get up out of this. You got to make that choice. Jonah had to confront the reality that there was a better choice for him than his own. He had to trust that God knew better and had a better plan in mind. And so in reality, what we see here is that Jonah had to rise above his own pride. This guy hated these people. This guy was hurt. You know what hurt people do? Hurt people. That's what we do. So the thing is this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, tells us something about Jonah. Well, not specifically about Jonah, but it tells us something about something that we should all know in terms of getting out of that place of anger, getting out of that place of offense, getting out of that desire uh, to see the worst for, for people. Philippians 2, 3 through 7 says, don't be selfish. Somebody say that with me. Don't be selfish. See, now, it's easy for you to say it because you're saying it to me. But I want you to see that this is God speaking to you and me. And he says, don't be selfish. You know why that's in the Bible? Because you and I can very easily be selfish. We can very easily choose me, 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 me. And so it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. 
thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Listen closely. Watch what it says. You must have. I want you to see that it's not optional. To rise above storms, to rise above selfishness, to rise above the desire to want to impress others, and, and to rise above our own thinking where we think we're better than anyone else. We must have the same attitude, the same heart orientation that Jesus Christ had. It says, verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Listen, if you and I are going to rise above the storms of life, we have to remember that rising requires humbling yourself. Now, that's, that's not a comfortable topic. You want to get out of the circumstances of life? Some of you have heard me say this. Start fighting the right fight instead of the wrong one. The right fight is not, I'm right and you're wrong. The right fight is, let me forsake what I think is above you and let me choose what's better. Let me choose to make it right at all costs. Let me get past my feelings, past my emotions, past my crocodile tears, past my hurt, past my excuses, and let me humble myself. And I want you to see something, that this is Jesus himself that the Scripture is talking about. And it says that he didn't consider it inequality to leave his throne and come down and take the role of a slave, one guilty for us. When it came to humanity, here's what Jesus said. They're going to spit on me. They're going to kick me. They're going to whip me. They're going to scar me. They're going to crucify me. They're going to mock me. They're going to ridicule me. They're going to do all these things. And he says, I'll sign up for that. I'll do it. You know, Isaiah chapter 6 tells us what Jesus said when the Father said, whom shall I send? You know what he said? Send me. I'll go. That's humility. That's the attitude that we're called to have. And so as we close here today, I want to leave you with a simple closing point about avoiding future storms. Because look, Jonah got past the storm. But unfortunately, what we begin to see is that Jonah really never got the storm out of his heart. There was still something at work in his life. As we learned, the people of Nineveh, they repented. They actually turned around. Chapter 3, if you study, it tells us that these people uh, were so repentant, they said, you know what, get all the animals, no one's eating for the next couple of days, we're all going to get in sackcloth and ashes, we're all going to turn around. And we're going to seek God. We're going we're to turn to the true and living God. And the Bible says that Jonah gets upset. He gets upset. Listen to Jonah chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. See, he didn't feel that they deserved the mercy of God. 
there was a storm that was still raging in his heart. Verse 2 says, and so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Hmm. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. I want somebody to hear that today. God's not out to get you. God's not even mad at you. And God didn't create the storm. God's not into destroying you to teach you something. God's saying, turn around. Turn around. And so verse 3, he says, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. He's sitting there waiting for their destruction. He's salivating going, man, just die. I hate you. Verse 6, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. As soon, and as soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. His problem was he wasn't very grateful for God. So watch this. But God also arranged for a worm. And the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. But watch this. He's choosing this. He's making this choice. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Listen closely to how wise God is. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Can I tell you as we close here, God in all his wisdom speaks to Jonah a truth that we all would be wise to heed to. You're mad about what somebody else did. You're hurting because you want someone to hurt. I'm not saying that that applies to you. Look, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't, don't, don't own it. But if it fits, don't wear it either. Change it. Change it. We got to change that. We got to turn around from that. We got to go in a different direction. And so while this guy is saying, man, death is certainly better than this, but you chose it. God shows grace and mercy. And he says, live and go where I'm leading you. Don't choose the sun to scorch you and the winds to blow in your life. Listen, we overcome storms when we don't go back to them. Jonah went back to the very place 
that he started. It wasn't the people of Nineveh that were the problem. It wasn't even their choices that were the problem. It wasn't even their wickedness. It was what was in his heart. And when you begin to address what's in your heart with the truth that God's word provides light for, you go from darkness to light. You go from hurting to healing. You go from sickness to health. Listen, you begin to rise above the storms of life when those waters rise. Amen? Amen. Let's stand here. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word because it is truth. Your word says, Lord, the scriptures declare that your word is like a sword that's double-edged, that pierces to the dividing asunder of our soul, our mind, and our spirit. And Father, today, you've gone deep and you're speaking to our lives. And Lord, there's a couple of things you're telling us. You're saying, I I didn't create you to exist in storms. I didn't create you to drown in life. If anything, I created you to rise. Because the Bible says that where he is seated in heavenly places, that he has raised us up to that place. That's what God desires for you. And so today, Lord, we acknowledge the truth in your word. And I know, Father, that right here, right now, your word has spoken truth. And it's, it's divided between our feelings, our emotions, our misunderstandings, our misgivings, our disobedience. And it's, and it's also revealed what's in our heart. All for the purpose of leading us out and leading us to the place above the clouds. Back to peace. Right here, right now, I believe that some of us need to make a decision. Don't go back. Don't look back. Don't return to your storm. Rise above it. Get out of it. You don't need to be there. And maybe you're not in the midst of a storm right now. Maybe you're soaring with God. Well, praise God. But even every eagle eventually finds a storm that it has to rise above. And so hear closely the truth. God's calling you upward, outward, beyond the trials and tribulations of life. But we have to make the choice. If there's anyone here today and you've never known a personal relationship with God, you've never understood that you haven't been called to live in trouble, that it's, it's, it may be a part of life, but it doesn't have to be your way of life. Maybe you've never considered that God loves you so much that he would speak to you directly. But today, there's something stirring in you that says, I need God. Well, let me tell you how God overcame every storm. The Bible says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But he sent it to save it. God did not send his son to bring storms. But to save you. And verse 16 of John chapter 3 says how he did it. God so loved the world. God doesn't just love Christians. God doesn't just love good people. God loves bad people. God loves all people. And so when God looked upon the world and he saw our deficiencies, he gave his very best in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived as a man and subjected himself to our limits and overcame our limits. And then he died a death that he did not deserve. The death that we deserve to pay the price for sin. But here's why he did it. Because none of us can do that on our own. And so he paid the price so that we could enjoy the benefits of the payment 
freedom from sin. Freedom from life's troubles. We'll face them, but we can overcome them. And if you find that you need God today, the answer is simply this. I accept that payment made on my behalf. I believe that he died my death and that he rose again so that I could rise again. If you believe that with us, whether you're here or online, I want you to join us in this prayer of faith and declare this with us. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. And so from this day forward, I declare you're my Lord and Savior and that you are my God. And from now on, I'm soaring above the storms of life. I'm choosing a better way. I'm following you all the rest of my life. Come on now, if you prayed that, we celebrate what God is doing in the lives of people. Lives are transformed. Storms are diminishing. There's a sunrise again. You're rising and soaring high. Now, Father, we thank you for Jesus and all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. If this message spoke to you, don't forget to let us know by tagging us on your social media stories at CTBNY or sharing with a friend. We can't wait to see you again next week. Thank you for tuning in.